couple of, well, it was like a month ago, wasn't it? We were meeting in Cobham with uh, national directors from all around the world. John and Ellie uh, coordinate us, love on us, help us, strengthen us. I mean, it's, it was the most wonderful time. 16 uh, different AVCs represented. Some of them have a few nations within those AVCs. And it was absolutely beautiful. And there, there's that same servant-hearted, vulnerable, real, committed humility uh, in those guys. And um, we were sitting next to, uh, a number of times, Noel and Donna um, from the Himalayan region. They, they lead the ABC out there. And um, Noel is incredibly humble, but also terribly funny. And um, he told me this story and uh, and basically it, it's a, it's just a, a lovely story of, of such vulnerability and real and all of that anyway so Sunday was approaching and he realized he wasn't in a good place he and Donna were not kind of seeing eye to eye on a particular issue and he just felt a bit out of sorts and he just thought I can't preach this Sunday so he asked one of his, his colleagues to preach and um, anyway, it got to Sunday, there's about 400 people gathered, the worship's uh, kicking off, and the guy's not there, the colleague's not arrived. And uh, Noel had kept the worship going and kept another song, and he's like, oh my goodness, my, my colleague's not here, and I, I'm going to have to preach, and I'm going to have to fake it. I, I, I'm going to have to just find a passage and just go for it. And, and he just felt like he couldn't do it. He couldn't, he couldn't lie to the people and pretend that he was in a better place than he was. Anyway, the worship comes to the end and he gets up and he says, I am really sorry, but I can't preach. I don't have a message. I've got nothing prepared. And uh, I'd ask someone else to do it. For some reason, he's not here. And uh, I don't know what else to say. And he, he just stood there awkwardly and just sort of waited and waited. And then this lady kind of perks up and she she just says, I, I want to tell a story. And she shares a story of how she was healed. And then someone else in the room stands up and, and they share how they were healed. And, um, and then someone at the back stands up and, and they share how they were healed. And then someone says, I think God wants to heal people in the room. And, and then this flow of words of knowledge kind of came up. And Noel's just standing there watching all this develop. And there was, he said it was like a mass healing happened all over the room. People started to get healed. And I, I just love the, the vulnerability and that, that willingness to just be dependent on the Lord and allow the Lord to do what he wants to do without kind of trying to make it happen. I mean, it was just beautiful. And, you know, I just have loved hearing some of your stories of what the Lord's doing with you. Some of them are just, you know, simple, just reaching out, loving a neighbor. And then there's some that are just more supernatural, amazing miracles. Some of you have been... Uh, seeing and then you know I was chatting to James who we heard from this morning who's so disappointed not to be here and um, uh, and he's injured his knee but he's had a very successful operation and um, just on Tuesday and so but he was telling me that in Cardiff they've just been having such a sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit thick in the air yes and uh, and basically said one Sunday this is just a few weeks ago he said I try to dismiss the service dismissed them five times and they would not leave the building because there was such a sense of the presence of the Lord and I just love that so many good things happening but you know among the good things which are evidently happening 
It is fair to say that we're living in difficult and disorientating times, as has been mentioned by others who've spoken. People everywhere are disturbed and anxious. We're anxious about the terrible situation unfolding in Ukraine, utterly devastating. Over 10 million Ukrainian citizens have fled their homes. Almost half of those have left the country. And now we have concerns about how our government might be dealing with that crisis. This conflict's happening at a time when many around the world are already troubled. There's anxiety about the cost of living, which even before the war was already rising at its fastest rate for 30 years. Basic commodities going up in price. And as always, it's the most vulnerable who are going to be the hardest hit. The world is reeling from the effects of the pandemic, which is estimated to have claimed over 5 million lives globally. We're having to learn to live with it. There's always a risk of another variant. And many people, especially teenagers, through this time have been affected psychologically, spiritually, emotionally by this pandemic. And then many of us are anxious about our churches, how our churches have been shaken at this time. Seems that a lot of people are reassessing their priorities and maybe less likely to commit to regular attendance on a Sunday, coming to services, to go into small group, serving and taking up leadership again. Some people have drifted from the church and others sadly have even, it seems, lost their faith. And we've seen all of these things here at Trent. All this at a time where it's increasingly unpopular to hold biblical values and to say stuff we believe in any sort of public forum. Our very identities are being questioned at a very early age. This is disturbing to hear that, for instance, the Welsh sex education curriculum for three-year-olds to 16-year-olds was updated last year so that it no longer makes any reference to male, female, boy or girl. And it's become increasingly politically incorrect to define a man or a woman as per the dictionary definition with ramifications right now impacting women's sports, for instance, as one example. And then, of course, there are those people who are anxious about climate change. Um, a few weeks ago, I, well, it was a few months ago, I, I saw this picture that really kind of struck me, and it was a picture of the Victoria Falls. Uh, now, typically during the dry season, the Victoria Falls uh, kind of uh, becomes less powerful. Um, it slows down. But in 2019, they had the worst drought in the century. And it slowed the waterfalls down to a trickle. And the land around it was so dry that the farmers were struggling. Uh, their livelihoods were shattered. And so, you know, it strikes us that wherever we look, there's trouble, there's anxiety, and difficulty. And I wonder, as you came here, how you were feeling. I wonder how you feel now as you think about going back. I wonder how you feel about leading in these times. Some of us, we're raring to go again. Uh, we're in full flow. Maybe we're ready to rise to the challenges. But some of you may still feel like you're just like that parched dry ground. Uh, Concern that when you go back home, you might fall into that kind of sense of dryness, shattered like the farmers. Life is tough. There are a lot of difficult moving parts right now which are potentially knocking us off centre. And many of us and many of our people may be struggling. The Apostle Paul, always good to look to, some of, you know, he experienced some of what we're experiencing and much, much worse. And he wrote... We are hard-pressed on every side, perplexed 
persecuted, struck down. And yet, let's read the whole sentence he writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. He had this incredible resilience in the face of the most enormous trials. He wrote to the Philippian church, and in chapter 3, he talks twice about pressing on. He says this in verse 12, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal. Paul's goal was essentially to fulfill God's call on his life. And like Paul, we want to press on towards that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us, to fulfill the calling that God has placed on our lives as individuals, as churches, and as a movement. So if you want a title for this little talk, it is this. When we are feeling hard-pressed, how do we press on? And so there are a few things that we just felt were important to talk about as we seek to press on. And the first one is knowing God's word and being confident of his promises. You know, Ephesians 4 tells us that the body of Christ is being built up and becoming mature, not being tossed back and forth by the waves of circumstances or every wind of teaching. It's about knowing and living the truth of Scripture. And you know, it's even more important in a society that, uh, where truth is being undermined. When even in the church, we, we see examples of lies and trust breaking down, and we're in the body of Christ, there's confusion over what the Bible says. We're torn because we are fiercely compassionate and we find it difficult to balance truth and love. And it's a huge challenge, especially when we want to be a blessing to society, a blessing to those around of us. And instead, we may be regarded as dangerous. And it's so important to know what the Bible says and that we engage in the whole counsel of Scripture you know, not just homing in on a particular verse or passage, but actually looking at it in the context of the whole story. How does it relate to everything that the Lord shows us through his word? Do you know, when I was um, growing up, my father would bribe us as daughters regularly, uh, incentivize us to learn the scriptures. And I remember when I was about 12, the deal was if I learned Isaiah 53, I would get a set of false nails, red false nails. <laughs> and, but he would regularly remind us of what it says in Deuteronomy. He would remind us of the importance of knowing God's ways, of living under God's authority and command. And he would, he would recite uh, and this to us. He would say, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Wow. Do you know, whether we literally do those things or not, the trust of the passage is that we need to value God's word and let it continually shape our thoughts. Do you know, um, believers living under restrictions they absolutely treasure the word of God. Sometimes they bury their Bibles or they uh, bury fragments of scriptures in their gardens and then in, at the night 
they dig them out and maybe study them together when nobody's looking. And you know, right now in China, they've tightened restrictions uh, for Christians. To own a Bible or to meet with others to discuss it puts you at risk of arrest. And we have a Chinese community in our church, uh, a Mandarin-speaking community. And um, a number of them went back to China at the beginning of um, COVID, the, the lockdown, before the lockdown happened. And um, so the group, they probably went online before we even thought to tell all our small groups to go online. And they got online. And they've seen an incredible multiplication happen in China online with their group. It, it grew from a few to a hundred. And um, anyway... Uh, uh, we went to dinner with them after lockdowns, you know, just recently. We went, went to dinner with them and we walked in and they were on FaceTime with a woman there who was um, facing the possibility of losing her job because she'd been sharing her faith. And we were so honoured to be able to pray with her there and then on FaceTime. Anyway, they have been seeing some amazing things happen uh, across uh, Zoom calls. And basically, they reckon they've seen a number of people healed of cancer. Now, we have no way of proving whether this is absolutely evidently true. However, as a result of these claims, a number of people have come to faith. And so this has been happening throughout the last couple of years that we've been through these lockdowns. And then the latest story was one woman... And she was um, joining in the Zoom calls as they're studying the scriptures. And she's so hungry for the word of God. And uh, her husband was forbidding her from doing these Zoom calls. He was just so concerned that they were going to get arrested. And, uh, and he just forbade her, but she could not resist. And she kept coming on the calls. Anyway, she gets healed of cancer. And he becomes a Christian. And of course, he's now on these calls and cannot stop uh, so hungry for the word of God and so we value the scriptures and we need to value them in these times because it may become harder and harder for us do you know when the queen was crowned in 1953 she was presented with a bible and the words they said to her as they presented her with this um, beautiful book uh, we present you with this book the most valuable thing that this world affords and so let's treasure the word of God. We're to study it. We're to live by the word of God. We're to teach the word to our children, to our teenagers. They need to know that there is a higher authority. Showing them a way to live that will lead to flourishing. The scriptures are not there to bind us, but to bring us freedom. And so our prayer in this time is that we would press into the scriptures, that we would have a hunger for the word of God, a, a, a greater appetite to teach the scriptures, small groups, large groups, little Bible studies, any which way, but also that some of you would have a, a growing appetite to study the scriptures and get some training, some theology training, maybe masters and PhDs. As we mature as a movement, we need more of you. And so in these difficult times, we need to press in, knowing God's word and being confident of his promises. Secondly, we press on knowing we're in this together. In the last two years, being together has been challenged, hasn't it? Perhaps in a way that, which is more disruptive, if you stop to think about it, than has ever been the case before in history. You know, even with wars and major historical upheavals, people have not been separated in the ways that we have experienced. If we think about the words and the phrases which we've heard countless times during these last two years, the message has essentially been, come apart and stay apart. 
stay at home. Don't mix with anyone, don't spend time with your loved ones, isolate. When you are in the same space as others, cover your face and don't go near them. Avoid conversation. Don't shake hands, don't hug anyone, don't even touch them. Keep your distance. And while it was necessary, of course, to take those sort of precautions to reduce the spread of a very serious virus, that had a huge effect on our togetherness. Over the last two years, society, but also the body of Christ, in many ways, has become dislocated. Paul's picture of the church, the body of Christ, is that it is together. And he describes this in Ephesians chapter 4, where he says, From him, talking about Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now here's a question I had to Google to understand what exactly is a ligament. And I discovered that ligaments are the fibrous tissues which connect our bones together with other bones. For instance, according to this diagram, there are nine ligaments in the shoulder joint. It's a complex joint. Every one of those ligaments is vital for the shoulder to function as God designed it to. If I go back 23 years, I was in California. I was at Newport Beach with a bodyboard. And there was a huge storm which had come up from the southern hemisphere. And the waves were about seven feet tall, breaking on fairly shallow water. And uh, wisdom was not part of my life, evidently, that day. And so I went in. And I got slammed on the hard ocean floor. And the impact wrenched my shoulder out of its socket. And so in the emergency room at Hogue Hospital, a doctor had to put, actually she was a rather small woman, she put both feet on the edge of the table I was lying on and like an outrigger on a yacht, pulled my arm out while somebody else put it back where it belonged. Yup. <laughs> With those stretched ligaments not doing what they were designed to do, nothing worked. I couldn't lift anything, I couldn't get dressed on my own, I couldn't drive, I couldn't lay even on my right side for many months. And it just impacted every area of my life. And the pain disrupted my whole body. I had to wear a sling for many weeks and then do nine months of physiotherapy in order to get my shoulder back and fully fit again. And that traumatic experience gave me a whole new appreciation of this phrase joined and held together by every supporting ligament. When a supporting ligament in some area of the body is not joining and holding the bones together as it is designed to, the whole body suffers. I trust the parallel is obvious. If the connections which bind us together in our churches and across our movement are not functioning as God intends, different parts of the body which should be closely connected are not, and the body cannot function as God designed it to, and the whole body suffers as a result. You know, in the last two years, similarly, we actually have experienced uh, a traumatic impact. And the pandemic hit society, but it hit the church. And to some of us, some of us in this room, it hit very hard and it hurt. And just as it took John nine months of physio to get his shoulder back in full health, rebuilding that sense of togetherness in your local churches and here is going to take effort. It's going to need our being committed to others, committed to the church, committed to one another across the movement. 
Do you know, through a person's life, they might be a member of all sorts of different kinds of clubs, sports teams and book clubs or whiskey society, you name it, there is a club for it. There's even apparently a club for UK Roundabout Appreciation Society. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous, I don't know what that is all about. But it's how people find community and they enjoy a shared interest. But that is not the picture of the body that Paul is painting of the church. He describes something different. It's different to one of those sorts of clubs. What he describes is something more. We are joined together. We're held together. In another letter, in Romans 12, Paul writes this. Uh, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Do you know, we belong to one another like a family, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers. Do you know what one lacks, the other can help with. And despite all our differences, we're to be united. It's something that we need to make an effort to be. It's worth fighting for. This is more, this is more relevant than ever, I think, probably for us as a movement. You know, within churches, churches uh, individuals have experienced isolation and loneliness, mm. feeling dislocated. Many pastors have felt somewhat alone in leading through this incredibly challenging season. It's been quite lonely for some church leaders. A few weeks ago, we, we gathered about 70 of our translocal uh, leaders through the movement here, regional leaders, area leaders, the Vineyard Leadership Team and some others, and we gathered here, and it was the first time back in a room together for two years. It was just so, so encouraging. There was such joy as people arrived, there was such buzz connecting, and then ministering deeply and powerfully to one another, a number commenting how much it felt like family, how much it felt like coming home. And I think that has been the experience this week. We've had five days, you know, the two conferences and the pastor's day, it's been all those things I've just said and much, much more. I hope you've felt it. We are better together. We are a family together. And it's been so marvelous physically in three dimensions to actually share this time. And we love you as well, you guys who are watching us here online. Beyond our local church, we're a part of this movement in the UK and Ireland. Beyond that, we're part of Vineyard Global, which Debbie referred to, John Nelner coordinate, bring together all the movements across the world. And as our worldwide extended family. And beyond that, we're members, of course, of the wider body of Christ. And we belong together, as Paul describes. More than ever, we need to be there for each other. Some of you may remember the experience of British athlete Derek Redmond. He was competing in the 400-meter semi-final in the 1992 Olymp Olympics, which were in Barcelona. And he was predicted to do well, maybe get a medal. But after a good start to his race, at around 250 meters from the finish line, his hamstring suddenly tore. His father was sitting in the stands. Let's take a look at what his father did.
Derek didn't get the medal that he was hoping for, but with his dad's help, with that 65,000-strong crowd on their feet, cheering him on, they finished the race. We are better together. Some of us right now might be limping like Derek, but with, with each other's help, we can finish the race. Some of us are standing on the sidelines and God is inviting us to get alongside someone who is struggling, to look out for them. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe it's somebody else that you know. Get alongside them. We cannot do this alone. And God didn't design us to. Each one of us has a role to play in rebuilding some of the connections that have been dislocated in our churches, our movement, and in our wider communities in this time. And I really encourage you to consider what God might be asking you to do to help join and hold the body that you're a part of together. Mm, yeah. Do you know, we also press on knowing that every one of us has a part to play. The phrase, each member belonging to all the others, sits within this paragraph in, um, in Romans 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We have got different gifts and every gift contributes to the whole body of Christ. And so we celebrate those people who are able to lead us in worship, those people who, who write songs, those who, who lead us, uh, those who teach, those who prophesy. I mean, isn't it incredibly encouraging when we receive a prophetic word that is just right for the time uh, that we need it? You know, Paul and Steph at Lowe uh, lead Manchester Vineyard and um, they were sharing with their trustees at one point that they had seen a derelict building, that they felt, they felt the Lord was leading them to... Uh, Improve. This building was in an impoverished area. And they had a vision uh, to repair and restore this building in order that it would serve the local community. And just 15 minutes later, after they just talked to their trustees, a person they did not know uh, gave them this word, believing that the Lord was going to give them a derelict building very close to their current Sunday venue, and that it was the Lord and they should go for it. And you know, the, the council, for very little money, gave them that building. And then, including in-kind donations of workman time, they have raised well over a million to get this building up and running. And it's currently partially open with projects that serve the local city. So encouraging, so encouraging when we receive those words uh, that we need in that moment. And where would we be without the gift of organizing and administrating and serving? You know, events like this would never happen. Uh, DTI wouldn't be able to happen. Retreats wouldn't be able to happen. Your own gatherings, our own Sunday services would really struggle. And then there's those people who pray. And you know, during this conference, um, every day, morning and evening, there are people praying for us on a Zoom prayer meeting uh, for us all. They're not even attending the conference, they're just praying for us, which is absolutely brilliant. Some of them are attending, but some of them aren't. And you know, they're praying for us. And you know, this is a time for prayer. Steve mentioned it on, um, on the first evening. This is a time for prayer like never before, whether you're with other people or on your own. It's a time to cry out to the Lord. 
And then healing, you know, people are taking risks again, stepping out to heal the sick. And we know a number of you have got amazing stories. We had one a couple of weeks ago when uh, there'd been an illustration. We were talking about the body of Christ and, and this illustration was of the inner ear in which there are the three little bones that connect together to enable us to hear well. And uh, bouncing off that illustration was a word of knowledge for somebody with a hearing problem related to those bones. And there was a woman uh, in the church and she got up and she came forward for prayer and her friend prayed for her. And she had had a number of operations through her life because she had this problem with these little bones and her hearing was still muffled. And as her friend prayed for her, instantly she heard crystal clarity absolutely wonderful and then there's those of you who go out yes praise the lord praise the lord gosh more of it more lord you know um those of you who evangelize i mean we all can be witnesses we can all share our faith but there are those who go out on the streets and there are those who are just so effective in in talking about jesus and leading people to jesus and it's time to invite people to our gatherings you know people are hungry to be in the presence of the holy spirit to encounter jesus you know, recently we were at one of our newcomers' dinners and, you know, I reckon almost half of the room were people who had never uh, been to church or, or knew, who didn't know Jesus. And there's one guy there and he was, um, he's one of the senior managers uh, on one of the, the businesses on, on this site. And before COVID, he would come into our cafe and enjoy it as a place to work and just or have a break. And, um, and during COVID, he started asking himself spiritual questions and he tuned in online and then he came, started coming to in-person gatherings and he said I'm at the beginning of the journey I've got so many questions about God can't wait to do Alpha and it's just so exciting we need every part of the body working together with all its different functions as it says in the verse we just looked at as each part does its work as a movement of churches we're better when these different gifts are being used we're stronger because of them you know, we need uh, everybody to take their place. It's so encouraging. I have been so encouraged this week with people who've prayed for me and had words for me. It's just been so encouraging. Do you know, Rose is a member of our church. She joined us 23 years ago. And for the last seven years, Rose has been involved in leading a, a small group at the Arches, one of our, within our Trent Compassion. And um, she works, ministers leads uh, with someone else, but they lead this group of very quite challenging people. I mean, I think when she started leading it, she thought, oh my gosh, what have I let myself in for? Um, but she is particularly gifted with these kinds of people because she herself uh, struggled in life. She faced many challenges. Uh, she was born to a mother who had uh, been through care. She knew from when she was very little that she was unwanted. And her mother would regularly tell her that. She was exposed to crime. Um, and then she also suffered violence and abuse. And even later on in life, she suffered that in her marriage. And in the midst of it all, she found Jesus. Jesus found her. And, you know, um, she got healed up. And then she started to pour her life into other people. And then with this particular group, she's uh, found herself just enabling them to find healing and restoration. And they've started to practice spiritual gifts. Uh, they've started to pray for each other and prophesy over each other. And she said about this group, you know, none of them knew they had gifts. None of them knew how special they were. 
uh, that they had come to realize now that they have gifts. They know whose they are. They know what those gifts are. They know what they are. They know how to use them. And in the midst of this group, as a result of their prayers and the ministry that these folks were were kind of um, giving to one another, one of the girls gave her life to Jesus. God has a job for every one of us. And I wonder what part is God asking you to play? Fourthly, we press on knowing our mission remains clear. As Paul said, and we looked at it just earlier, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, there's a lot in that phrase which could be unpacked. But if we're just looking for a really simple and helpful summary of what Jesus has taken hold of us for, we might suggest that it's pretty well captured in our movement's mission statement. Jesus has taken hold of each of us and has called us to the task of extending God's kingdom together, everywhere, in every way. In the midst of the turmoil, the church is called to excel in its calling. And so what might extending the kingdom mean in this situation? But we're always so encouraged when we hear what you and your churches are doing especially in some of the most difficult circumstances. We've loved the films that we've seen here at the conference. During the pandemic, even though we were all figuring out how to care for our churches and disciple our people and worship together when we weren't allowed to meet, getting to grips with technology, so many of you stepped up to serve your communities. In these tumultuous times, we as followers of Jesus, we have hope to share with those around us, where others have questions, we have answers, where others have doubts, we personally know the way, the truth, and the life. Where others have fear, we have confidence. Where others are struggling with identity, we know who and whose we are. Where others are feeling adrift, we have clarity on what we are to do. Where there's pain, we can bring comfort. Where people are in need, we can share and be good news. I'm sure many of you, like me, have been inspired by President Volodymyr Zelensky. He knows what his mission is, and with great energy, with great bravery, he has risen to it, as have the Ukrainian people, young and old, who've stepped up to defend their country against terrible oppression. And in the challenging times in which we find ourselves, it's not necessarily a bad thing for us to be shaken out of our comfort, out of our privilege. There is nothing quite like a crisis to stir up sacrifice, stir us to take courageous steps, to step up into that moment. And so in this moment, when many of us are feeling hard-pressed, how do we press on? Well, the Lord may be calling some of you to take on fresh levels of leadership responsibility, maybe to give up your current career trajectory to simplify Maybe take some time to serve God. Maybe to do the uh, college in the pathway. Or to join a church staff. Or to go with a church planting team. Or maybe to lead a congregation. Maybe even to plant a church. We too have a mission, a purpose in these challenging times. And despite the cost, despite the turmoil around us, we too are called to step up with courage into this moment to serve each other and our communities. But, you know, we can't do any of this in our own strength, can we? We so depend on the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, this is what I love about these gatherings. You know, there's just something incredible about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
We can only press on knowing that he will provide the strength and the anointing that we need. And he will, he will when we wait on him. As Paul pressed into his calling in, um, in Colossians, he tells us this, he says, you know, to this end, Colossians 1, 29, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. You know, we are called to strenuously contend, to press on as we fulfill our callings, but we can only be fruitful if we do it with him as our source. And I find it so helpful to look at what God has done uh, in my own life when things have been really difficult, when I've just been desperate. And then he's come, you know. I've, I've laid myself before him and I've just felt the Lord come, come close. You know, I may not have the answers. I may not have had the, the result that I was anticipating, but I sensed his presence and I sensed his strengthening. I sensed him uh, carrying me through in difficult times. And some of these moments of encounter, you know, uh, sometimes we, we do weird things. It's like we put our finger in, in the socket and it's like, you know, and certainly I'm one of those that just does some crazy things. But I have felt like in this time, just all sorts of things just sort of fly off, you know, just realizing that I, I think I've been feeling like somewhat oppressed. I was joyful. I'm willing to pursue the Lord. I, I know what my mission is, but sometimes that battle in the mind, uh, it comes at you in all sorts of ways. And then during this time, it's just been wonderful to be in the presence of God and just feel those things just, just, just fly off. It's so encouraging. And, you know, when we look back in history, you know, as we read about revivals, we were being reminded of those by Paul Lowe this morning. When we, we look at the revivals in Scotland and Wales and the awakenings with John Wesley and Whitfield and, and Charles Finney, and, do you know, apparently... In 1857, French philosophers predicted that Christianity would cease to exist in one generation in America. And in the following two years, two million people were added to the church in America through a sovereign move of God. Wow. Do you know, isn't that incredible? Do you know, we do believe that the church is being challenged right now. It, we're being pushed to the margins but we actually can live with a different expectation. I was recently listening to a Kerry Newoff podcast and he was interviewing a guy called Andy Bird who is a significant leader within Youth With A Mission. And uh, he said that he felt there was really good news concerning the current Generation Z. Now he's been ministering to Generation Z for six years. And uh, he said that they are hungry to study the word of God, but not only to study the word of God, but to actually live out the word of God, live it out. He said he's never known a time like it. And you know, one wonders perhaps something is stirring in our midst. And so in our own lives, let's remain open to the Holy Spirit. Think that, Think back, if you would, to that picture that Debbie showed you earlier of the Victoria, Fall, uh, Fall, excuse me, the Victoria Falls. At the start of the pandemic, you may have been feeling wonderfully hydrated. You may have felt like things were, you were living in a fertile land. But over this grueling season, some of you have felt that you have little left to give, like those farmers who are struggling, feeling dried up. And you may need refreshing before you go out, before you can give out. You need your thirst quenched before you can get up and run again. And like that picture of the father helping his son to finish the race, which speaks of, uh, you know, of us 
each supporting one another, we can also look to the Holy Spirit who longs to come alongside and help us. In Isaiah 44, the prophet is speaking on behalf of God who says, I will pour water on the thirsty land. King James Version, I think, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. And streams on the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Uh, God was speaking to his people who were in exile at the time in Babylon. He was speaking about hope for them in that moment and hope for us in generations to come, including our own. And he promises to bless them to water the dry ground. And God is here tonight by his spirit and is not limited by geography. He's there with you wherever you are engaging with this from. Whatever the earth around us feels like, however dry we feel, he comes with refreshment. He comes with comfort. He is our living water, water that never runs dry, water that quenches our thirst so that we can be the naturally supernatural people we are called to be. And so when we are feeling hard-pressed, how do we press on? We press on knowing God's word and being confident in his promises. We press on knowing we're in this together. We press on knowing every one of us has a part to play. We press on knowing our mission remains clear. And we press on knowing he will provide the strength and the anointing we need.